Welcome to episode 11 of our podcast series. This podcast features material from our February 2022 print edition of the Residential Aged Care Communique. I am Professor Joseph Ibrahim, the editor of that edition. This podcast focuses on the deaths of residents from fall-related injuries. The cases highlight the profound consequences of falls and our expert commentaries by Professor Jacqueline Close and Professor Keith Hill explain how falls could be prevented and describe many interventions that are readily available. Let's now listen to the editorial. This podcast has five segments. The contents are editorial, case number one, is this preventable? Case number two, the last fall. Commentary number one, tips to reduce risk of falls. And commentary number two, fall prevention, an ongoing need. Editorial. Welcome to our first issue of 2022. This edition focuses on falls and falls management, a topic that strikes fear in all staff, residents and families as the adverse consequences are often so profound. At times, many of us entertain the notion that falls are inevitable, especially when every year over half of all residents will have a fall. We also question the value of falls management and wonder why we pursue what appears to be a futile attempt to prevent the inevitable. It's important to pause and think why we have those perceptions and to remind ourselves that these notions are in fact wrong and unhelpful. First is a common aspect of any preventive strategy. When we are successful at stopping an incident, there is nothing to see and so we think nothing has been achieved. Consider, for example, the wearing of a seatbelt stops us flying through a windscreen in a car crash, the pool fence that stops a child from drowning, the vaccine that stops an infection from becoming severe, a walking aid that stops a fall. Because nothing happened, there is nothing to see and nothing to remember. Contrast that to times when something awful happens, like a resident fall where they strike their head. There is a pool of blood on the floor, panic about how this could happen, the fear around who will explain this to the family, and the tears and sadness when the person dies. Those unpleasant and heightened emotions burn that memory into our brain. After the incident, we review our falls management strategy and often find we had put in place multiple interventions. Our memories of past occasions of falls with awful outcomes flood back. Unfortunately, our memory does a very poor job of recalling the many other times a person was walking and did not fall. And so we draw our erroneous conclusions. The two cases we present highlight the grave consequences of a fall and our expert commentaries are written by Professor Jacqueline Close and Professor Keith Hill, two of Australia's leading international experts in the subject of falls and falls management. Pay close attention to their comments explaining that falls are preventable and the interventions available to achieve this are well within our capabilities. Let's now listen to our first case report titled, Is This Preventable? Case number one, Is This Preventable? From Case Pracy author, Dr. Da Ray Ui, consultant geriatrician. Clinical summary. 
Mr. Z was a 91-year-old man who was a hospital inpatient with newly diagnosed advanced Alzheimer's dementia and metastatic prostate cancer. Past medical history included a metallic aortic valve requiring an anticoagulant medication, warfarin. Prior to hospital admission, Mr. Z was living alone and required community support through a level 4 care package. As he did not have any family, a public advocate was appointed his guardian to determine Mr. Z's future accommodation needs. Mr. Z was discharged to a residential aged care facility. On entry to the facility, Mr. Z was assessed as being unsteady on his feet with a history of recurrent falls and forgetful with the use of his walking aid. To address the risk of falls, he had a floor mat, access to a call bell, the height of the bed was placed at the lowest setting and regular 30-minute checks. Two weeks into Mr. Z's stay, he was found lying on his left side on the floor near his bed. There were obvious injuries with bleeding from his nose, skin tear on the left elbow and a superficial hematoma to his head. Only 20 minutes had elapsed since he was checked on. Mr. Z was transferred to the same acute hospital where he was diagnosed with an acute right temporal lobe intraaxial hemorrhage and an acute onchronic subdural hematoma over the right temporoparietal lobes. The medication, warfarin, was ceased in the context of frequent falls and significant hemorrhage. There was not any neurosurgical intervention. Two days later, Mr. Z was discharged from hospital back to his facility. He had another fall while attempting to walk to the bathroom, where he was found face down and bleeding from his left forehead. Mr. Z was readmitted to the acute care hospital with new findings of multiple facial fractures and a left shoulder dislocation. There was also further evidence of intracranial hemorrhages, acute bilateral subdural hemorrhages, multifocal hemorrhagic contusions in both frontal and the left parietal lobes, acute subarachnoid hemorrhages, and a right intraparenchymal hemorrhage. Mr. Z's treating clinical team decided that palliative care was the preferred option due to his comorbidities, intracranial bleeding, recurrent falls, and issues with anticoagulation. Mr. Z returned to the facility two days later and died the following day. Pathology. A forensic pathologist concluded that the cause of death was intracranial hemorrhage, subdural, subarachnoid, and parenchymal, complicating recurrent falls in a man with Alzheimer's dementia. Investigation The nature of Mr. Z's death within the definition of a death in custody in the Coroner's Act 2003, requiring that an inquest be held to determine the cause and circumstances of his death. Coroner's Findings Mr. Z's care and treatment at the acute hospital and aged care facility were deemed appropriate. Protective measures were in place at the aged care facility to minimise injuries due to his falls. The Guardianship and Administration Act orders were also fitting in his circumstances. Author's Comments Falls remain a common problem in a person with dementia and it is associated with a high morbidity and mortality. Falls are often multifactorial and it is important to establish an older person's risk factors. A review of medications is often useful to determine the risk benefit of medication continuation. 
This was especially complex in Mr. Z's case, who although was having frequent falls, also required warfarin to prevent the risk of clots around the mechanical heart valve. Let's now listen to our second case report titled, The Last Fall. Case number two, The Last Fall, from Case Pracy author, Dr. Dare Ui, consultant geriatrician. Clinical summary. Mr. D was an 81-year-old male resident in a secure ward of a residential aged care facility. He had multiple comorbidities, which included a severe head injury at 17 years of age, causing frontal lobe damage, end-stage mixed pattern dementia with behavioural and psychological component, osteoarthritis of the spine and ischemic heart disease with congestive cardiac failure. Mr. D was under a limited guardianship of the Office of the Public Advocate for the past few years after application was made by the aged care facility as he had no family or legal decision maker to advise about Mr. D's preferences. Due to Mr. D's progressive dementia, he was becoming more dependent on staff for his personal care needs and at increasing risk of falls. He was having about two to three falls a month. On this day, Mr. D's hip protectors were taken off to be cleaned after they became contaminated when he opened his bowels. Replacements for the hip protectors could not be sourced. Later in the day, Mr. D had an unwitnessed fall and was found lying on his left side complaining of pain, unable to lift his leg. Mr. D was transferred to an acute care hospital where he was diagnosed with a left femoral neck fracture and underwent a hemiarthroplasty. Four days later, Mr. D was transferred back to his aged care facility. The following day, he developed symptoms of hospital-acquired pneumonia and was readmitted to the acute hospital. The medical staff had a discussion with his guardian and together palliative care was determined as the most appropriate option as Mr. D was at the end stages of his life. Mr. D died at the aged care facility seven days after his surgery. Pathology. The forensic pathologist concluded that Mr. D's cause of death as pneumonia complicating surgery for left hip fracture in a man with ischemic heart disease, end stage dementia and severe frontal lobe brain injury. Investigation. As Mr. D's death followed a fracture of the hip, the death was not considered to be due to natural causes. Therefore, an inquest was mandatory, despite recent changes to the Act, removing the need for inquests for many people who die whilst subject to orders under the Guardianship and Administrative Act 1993. Mr. D's treating clinician opined that Mr. D was always treated with care, compassion and respect by nursing and medical attendants. The decision to treat him as palliative at the end stages of his life was certainly the correct one. He passed quickly and comfortably and peacefully without distress. Coroner's Findings Mr. D had many comorbidities and was of an advanced age, dependent on constant monitoring. Mr. D had received appropriate care at the acute care hospital and aged care facility. Author's Comments Mr. D had advanced dementia and a poor long-term prognosis. Hip fracture remains a common complication post-fall, despite our best effort in prevention. The goal of palliative care in a person with advanced dementia is to improve the person's comfort and quality of life. Key aspects include consideration of a person's emotional, cultural, 
and spiritual needs. Let's now listen to the first commentary titled Tips, Tools and Techniques to Reduce Risk of Falls. Commentary number one. Tips, Tools and Techniques to Reduce Risk of Falls from Professor Jacqueline Close, who is a geriatrician at Prince of Wales Hospital, the Clinical Director of Falls Balance and Injury Research Centre, conjoint professor at the University of New South Wales and the co-chair of the ANZ Hip Fracture Registry. Introduction. People residing in our aged care facilities are some of the frailest and most vulnerable members of our society. It is therefore incumbent upon us to advocate for safe and effective care whilst working in partnership with the residents to respect autonomy, preserve privacy and enhance quality of life. Falling in residential aged care is not uncommon and can have catastrophic consequences including hip fracture, head injury and death. One of the groups most likely to fall in this setting is people with dementia. Having studied this area for many years, I would like to share some tips, tools and techniques that may be used to minimise risk. These strategies won't prevent every fall and won't work for every person, but you only have to prevent one fall or one fracture or one death to be able to say with confidence that you have made a difference. A fall is often just the endpoint of how we deliver care. For many people with dementia, getting up to walk is often an indication of an unmet need, being hungry or thirsty, needing to go to the toilet, pain, etc. Understanding what drives this behaviour and putting in place a care plan that anticipates a resident's needs can help reduce falls. Toileting in particular is one of the more common reasons for someone to be up on their feet and so residents with dementia should have a care plan that anticipates and plans for their toileting needs. For some people where nighttime toileting is an issue, it is useful to minimise fluid intake and particularly caffeinated drinks after 6pm. Drugs don't work. Many residents will be on several drugs for various illnesses that are common with advancing years. However, some of these drugs will increase a person's risk of falling. Drugs that affect the brain are the most common medications to cause falls. Sleeping tablets, antidepressants, antipsychotics, anticonvulsants, etc. It makes no sense to administer sleeping tablets to people who need to get up to toilet at night, and nor is there any evidence to say that these medicines enhance the duration or quality of sleep. You are twice as likely to cause harm as you are to provide any benefit in dispensing sleeping tablets to an older person, including those with dementia. Medications should be reviewed every six months by a general practitioner or pharmacist to ensure that people are on the minimum number of medications and that the dose, duration and benefits are considered over time. Keep the environment free of clutter. Dementia can be associated with loss in functional vision. For many people, this means that what they see is a restricted field despite having no objective visual loss. As an example, People may not see things at knee level or below whilst walking, making items on the floor or furniture, such as coffee tables, a potential fall hazard. Exercise may work. Planned exercises that focus on strength and balance can reduce the risk of falls in residential aged care. However, in people with dementia, this is enormously challenging. 
Most facilities have limited physiotherapy slash exercise therapy services. And so being able to prescribe enough exercise over a long period and provide the level of supervision needed is almost impossible. It is also unlikely that the findings from the Royal Commission will alter this substantially. Vitamin D for all. Having sufficient vitamin D can prevent falls. However, very few residents will be able to access sufficient natural sources of vitamin D, sunlight and oily fish to ensure their levels are adequate. Giving vitamin D is probably the simplest, cheapest and most effective way of preventing falls in residential aged care and this includes those with dementia. Feed me. A very recent study undertaken in Australia has shown that increasing the dairy and protein intake of residents in the form of milk, cheese and yogurt can reduce both falls and fractures. This was published in the British Medical Journal and is a must-read paper for all facilities which can then reflect on their own strategies for promoting nutrition. Minimise the risk of injury in the event of a fall. Not all falls in residential aged care can be prevented, particularly in those with dementia who are impulsive, lack insight and awareness and like to wander. Being aware that people are up and on the move with the use of alarm devices may help in some people. What we also need to consider is how to minimise injury in the event of a fall. Hip protectors can be used to reduce hip fracture, although compliance with these is highly variable. Nonetheless, they have a role and will work for some residents. Treating osteoporosis will significantly reduce the chances of a fracture in the event of a fall, yet only 20% of people who have had a fracture from a fall receive treatment for osteoporosis, and the figure is less for those with dementia. Any resident who has had a fracture from a fall should be assessed and offered treatment for osteoporosis. If we achieved this, we would see far fewer fractures and far less suffering in residential aged care in Australia over a very short time frame. Conclusion. These are just a few tips to get people thinking about what can be done to prevent falls in residential aged care. Some should be simple and theoretically easy to implement, whilst others may serve as ideas for quality improvement activities that could be undertaken. Reviewing fall events, including coronial reports, is useful for facilities to continually learn from adverse events. Achieving a goal of no falls is aspirational and probably unrealistic, but there are undoubtedly falls that can be prevented. Every fall, every fracture, every head injury causes suffering and pain. Every fall counts and we can do more to stop our older residents from falling. Let's now listen to the second commentary titled Fall Prevention and Ongoing Need for Focus. Commentary number two, Fall Prevention and Ongoing Need for Focus from Professor Keith Hill, Director of the Rehabilitation, Aging and Independent Living Research Centre, Monash University. Introduction. Falls rates remain high in residential aged care facilities, with around 50% of residents experiencing one or more falls in a 12-month period, and this rate increasing to around 80% in dementia-specific facilities or units. In addition, 
30 to 40% of residents who fall are experiencing multiple falls within a 12-month period. The case reports highlight the complexity and diversity of circumstances that contribute to falls among residents. While there needs to be a strong focus on preventing a first fall, any fall in residential aged care provides an opportunity for a review of the resident's health status and falls risk as it can change and so new slash different interventions may be needed over time and thereby potentially a change in the resident's falls risk management plan. Although there have been substantial developments in research to guide what works for older people in reducing risks of falls and injuries, most of this research is in the community setting. There is an urgent need for more innovative and quality research evaluating falls risk management for older people, specifically in the residential care setting. However, given the limited scope of currently available research in the residential care setting, some of this relevant community setting research, particularly that which aims to reduce falls in frail, high falls risks and or cognitively impaired older people can also be used to guide falls prevention practice in residential care. Importantly, there is emerging research that falls prevention interventions, including exercise, can be safe and effective for people with dementia. Falls risk management involves two levels of action. The first risk management action is at the organisation level, which focuses on facility-wide practices that aim to reduce risk of falls generically for all residents. This includes ensuring a safe environment and regular reviews to ensure environments don't change or increase risk of falls over time. Appropriate lighting, level surfaces, seating at regular spacing for rests if residents who are walking tire are examples of environmental considerations. Group exercise programs, including standing balance and functional or strengthening exercise for those residents able to participate, should be available where a physiotherapist assessment considers this appropriate and safe. This is supported by a recent Australian research project across 16 aged care facilities that included 221 residents with over 50% of the intervention group with cognitive impairment and over 50% with high care status. The project found that participation in group exercise program involving balance, strength and functional exercises supervised by a physiotherapist reduced falls in the intervention group by 55% over the subsequent year. The second focus should be individualised based on each resident's falls risk factors that will differ from resident to resident. Individual strategies should aim to address or reduce the impact of the individual risk factors identified for a resident. These could include medical reviews of risk factors identified, medical or pharmacy reviews of medication use, in particular considering if medications associated with high falls risk, such as psychotropic medications, can be reduced physiotherapy and or occupational therapy programs, individual or group, to improve function, balance and muscle strength. Nutrition review and management, in particular vitamin D and calcium supplementation if required, and continence review and management, including use of regular toileting regimens to minimise rushing to the toilet for residents with urgency, which is a common circumstance of falls in residential aged care. Are walking aids a solution? Walking aids, canes or frames, 
often can help improve stability when walking for older people with balance problems. In persons with dementia, it's not as straightforward. There are reports of an increased risk of falls in some people with dementia, although some people with dementia can use a walking aid safely and well. Therefore, walking aids should not be an automatic action if a fall occurs. Instead, there is a need for a physiotherapist review to determine if the resident with dementia can use a walking aid safely, to prescribe an appropriate walking aid, and to determine if there may need to be some supervised training and practice over time to help ensure safe walking aid use is able to be achieved for residents with dementia. Post-fall management. After any fall, there needs to be immediate assessment and management of injuries, and then a review of factors contributing to the fall, including consideration of whether there are any new actions that should be implemented to reduce risk of future falls. The cause of falls should not just be put down to an existing medical condition, such as dementia or stroke, as this often means other factors that could be addressed are not being considered. There can be value in multidisciplinary review after a fall, including review and recommended actions from the general practitioner, nurse physiotherapist and pharmacist, each who may identify different contributory factors to be addressed. Staffing knowledge, attitudes, ratios and allied health involvement. Some falls can be associated with inadequate staff knowledge, with some staff believing that falls are just due to old age and that nothing can be done to reduce risk of falling. Positive attitudes to ageing are important, including understanding that older people, even those with high levels of physical and or cognitive impairment, can be actively engaged in programs that can improve their health, well-being, quality of life and independence and reduce falls risks. Regular training about false risks and what can be done to reduce risk is essential for all levels and types of staff within residential care. False prevention is everyone's responsibility. A cleaner or personal care worker may be the first to note new clutter or a new environmental hazard that needs to be remedied. So they have a role and responsibility to report and ensure appropriate actions are implemented to remove the risk. Current inadequate staff ratios and poor access to medical and allied health staff for residents in residential care may also increase residents' risk of falling. There is a need for systematic improvement in staffing levels and access to medical and allied health professionals to improve a range of outcomes for residents, including reducing falls risk. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Remember, the online print version is available at our website, which also includes a list of the recommended resources and references. I'm Joseph Ibrahim. Thanks for listening.